Amen and welcome. It's good to have you tonight. Hey, uh, we're uh, we're kind of doing dealing with some difficult days. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, how you've heard me say a million times, where we're at in the Bible is where we're at in life. And you just wait tonight. Uh, it's almost like the Lord planned it. Uh, to be Isaiah 50, 51, 52. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, I'm still going through my own little micro trials. Uh, you know, they say that uh, kidney stones are like, women say this, I'm told, uh, that kidney stones are like childbirth. There's only one other thing I've heard that's compared to childbirth, and that is gout. And I've suffered gout before, but not for quite a few years. I've actually been very successful with that until uh, two days ago. I got probably one of the biggest gout attacks I've ever had. So I've got kidney stones and gout, and I think that means I'm having twins. Um, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Uh, but fortunately, we got surgery coming up to try to deal with the kidney stones. Gout will go away, hopefully, Lord willing. And uh, then we'll be totally back in business. But, you know, it, it's all perspective. One of the things I always... Uh, marvel at is um, when you, have you ever noticed when you go through difficult times yourself, it makes you realize how many people are really going through really difficult things. And there's people that suffer all the time and it makes you just kind of heart your heart break. Um, right now, many of our congregants are going through all kinds of challenges um, and uh, athe creakers all over the, the, um, the country really, but uh, all over Oregon specifically with these fires, we've had a bunch of athe creakers had to, you know, evacuate their homes um, my parents, even in Southern Oregon, have had to, you know, evacuate their home. And Mike and Cassie Marug have had to, you know, uh, prepare that. I think they're, they might be in stage two. I don't know if they're stage three, maybe already. I don't know. But uh, a bunch of you guys know a lot of people that are going through some real difficulty with these fires. And I thought, man, this would be a good time to uh, have a couple of the pastors come up and let's just take some time as a congregation and pray. Um, you know, the Lord hears prayer. And so I've asked these guys to come up, Kaipo, Ian, James, and they're going to just uh, kind of, let's just all uh, pray. And, and um, I want to challenge you guys at home uh, because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, when the, you know, the people in the congregation pray, they, there's the saying of amen. And, uh, and there's a reason for that. They weren't just Pentecostals. Amen, brother. They weren't doing that. They were saying amen, which means so be it. Like it's like, yes, Lord, that, that's what we want to have happen. Uh, and there was a verbal audible agreement. And some people may say, why do you do that? Uh, you know, um, I think it's past a cultural thing. It's, it's actually a biblical thing that um, it helps you and me engage with each other in prayer. Um, you know, if James prays something, you know, like, uh, Lord, uh, help Brett get another kidney stone. If I'm not listening, I'm just going, amen, Lord. That'd be kind of not so bright, right? Not that James would ever pray that for me. But, um, but I'm listening to what he's saying, and I'm saying, yeah, what he just said, amen to that. And we're all in agreement in prayer. And there's something about that that is pleasing to the Lord. And so I would challenge you tonight to agree with these guys as we just pray. We're not gonna pray a long time, but man, I think it'd be good for us to take a chunk of time and just, um, just, just pray for our AC Creekers, for the firefighters, for the, all the first responders, all, all this stuff. Uh, let's just pray. So Kaipa, why don't you lead us out? Yeah, would you guys join me? Father, Psalm 91 tells us, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. 
Father, there are so many folks right now uh, who call Athey Creek home, but also who don't, who are in a very, very tough spot right now. And Lord, if it wasn't enough to have everything else with 2020, Lord, there's, there's so many things going on and people are just under, not, not quite understanding, Lord, what are you doing? What, what's the work that you're doing? But Father, we're, we're so grateful that our hope, our trust is not put in things, in earthly things, but in you, Jesus, and the, the steadfast word that we get to adhere to and, and glean from. Father, I ask that whatever occasion you are using this for, would it be to glorify you more and more? I ask, Father, that all of the Athey Creekers who may be affected and those who are helping and assisting, would this be an opportunity to just share you, Lord, that as they see the fires, as they see uh, the destruction, they'd be reminded of, Lord, you have pulled us up out of this destruction. You have pulled us up out of these things to give us that eternal weight of glory, to, to make a way for us into heaven. So would you, would you remind folks that, Father, we are so blessed. It is hard. It's difficult. We, were, we are so blessed for the work that you did there on the cross. And Father, you tell us in Romans that um, we don't consider this uh, present suffering. But Father, we get to, we get to uh, look forward to that, uh, that time when we get to be, uh, man, just with you forever. And so, Father, I pray that, that people would understand that, that people would know that, but also that you continue to refine us. Lord, we think of a fire being that type of thing where, Lord, you take away the impurities, you take away the things that aren't of you as the gold is purified and all those uh, imperfections are taken out. Lord, that's our desire. That's our hope for Athey Creekers. Would you continue to take away the world, take away the things that aren't of you and purify us, grow us and mature us. So we just wanna pray blessing on our Athey Creek family, pray blessing on all those, all those who are affected by this, that you just come alongside, be their refuge, be their strength this evening. We pray in Jesus' name. Lord, your word says that we are pressed on every side, yet not distressed. And Lord, the reason for that is because we can look to you, because we don't stand on our own, but we get to stand in you, and you are our strength, Lord. Lord, as many have already faced so many difficulties, even as Kaipo prayed with COVID and now fires here in Oregon, Washington, California, Lord, people already thought they were at the end of the ropes, and they're getting pushed more. Lord, pray that your spirit would minister to them. Lord, that your body would bear one another's burdens. Lord, that even though it's dark outside because of the, the thick smoke, Lord, your light would be seen through it. Your love working through your body would be seen clearly and evidently, Lord. Lord, for those kids that are in those homes that are having to move and they're scared, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd be with their parents. Lord, as a parent, not always having the answer, but Lord, trusting in you and allowing you to work through them so that, Lord, your light can be in that home. Yes. Guard those homes. Guard those families, Lord. Give those moms and dads wisdom on how to comfort, how to lead, how to care for their families, Lord. Mm -hmm. Bless them, please. Yes. Lord, for the uncertainty that's coming up and the questions that lay out there tomorrow, Lord, I pray that your peace would be in our homes as well. Lord, that, that people would rest in you, and even those folks that are able to tune in tonight, that your word being read and received would have that peaceable, pure work done in their hearts, Lord. Give us wisdom as uh, believers to know how to help one another, to pray fervently, Lord, but also to know how to help, to, to be in the right spot at the right time. Lord, you have that overall picture that we lack that's why we come to you, Lord. Give us your wisdom, Lord. Have your way with us. May you be glorified, Lord, in all that is done here. Yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and uh, just for the fact that you never change. And this year's been one of change, and we're in another season now of uncertainty. And uh, we confess that so many problems we go through are like speed bumps. We can just go through and deal with them, and it's less of a problem. But this year has been tough, and now we're literally living under shadows of uncertainty. And now we really need you, Lord, more than ever, and recognize that need more than ever of uh, just got our, our insufficiency, our, our, our just um, lack of ability. God, the, the need we have for you has never been clearer as individuals, as a people, and so we come to you, God. Knowing, Lord, that you are good and that you lead us to still waters and green pastures, knowing full well, Lord, that your name is for us a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. So tonight we come to you in worship. We come to you studying the scriptures, knowing that you, Lord, are the living word, and that as we build our lives on the rock of truth, only there are we safe and secure. And so we look to you, we run to you, we seek to build on that truth tonight as we study your word. Anoint Pastor Brett once again. Guide us as we collectively rally around you from wherever we're at. And we pray, Lord, for the individuals around, the family members, the friends, the brothers, the sisters uh, in Oregon and around uh, other places that um, are affected by these fires, having to flee their homes even today. God, we pray your loving arms being wrapped around them, keeping them safe and giving them that sense of peace. Give them just a reassurance, God, that you truly never leave nor forsake us. And uh, I pray that you would use us as well, Lord, just to wrap our arms around our brothers and sisters in this time of need. And so, Lord, we just look to you for help because you are where our help comes from. So guide us, strengthen us, unite us, and just draw us nearer tonight as we look to you together. And Lord, how thankful we are for just be able to offer prayer. Lord, your, your word reminds us we have not because we ask not. Lord, don't let us forsake the, the, um, the mandate that you've given us to pray, uh, to intercede on behalf of one another, Lord. And I pray that, that everybody would just be prayerful during these times, Lord. And they, that, Lord, I pray that your church would see the power in prayer. And I, uh, Lord, we don't pray to move your hand. We pray to have you move our hearts. But at the same time, Lord, because you say we have not because we ask not, we ask for guidance, wisdom, protection, safety upon our families. Lord, I pray that no more homes would burn. I pray that the firefighters would just be totally successful. I pray that the wind would die down and that the the supplies would be uh, ready to roll. And, And Lord, that the homes and places people are staying and evacuation would be prolific, Lord, and, and uh, Lord, we just ask that you just intervene and reveal your strong arm of salvation, Lord. That's what we pray for. So we thank you, Lord. I agree with my brothers here, and I thank you that we can pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, the most powerful name in this whole cosmos. We, we appeal to you, Lord, and we pray your blessing based on your grace, upon your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, fellas. Sure appreciate it. Yeah, good, good. Thanks, brothers. Hey, we are uh, going through the Bible. So why don't you turn uh, with me to Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 50. We've got some ground to make up, so we gotta, we got to get going. Uh, it's, uh, especially, you know, when we see some of the correlations tonight, you're like, yeah, Brett, we need to hurry. Uh, where you're at in the Bible is where we're at in the Word. 
Uh, but let's check it out. Uh, Isaiah chapter 50, verse one is where we'll begin. Thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement? Whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors uh, is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities have ye sold yourselves, and for your transgression is your mother put away. Um, now, this is an interesting, uh, this is Isaiah speaking the word of the Lord. The Lord saying, uh, Isaiah, write this down. And so Isaiah, under inspiration, <laughs> writes down uh, the word of the Lord. And the Lord is being very sarcastic here. Uh, isn't it interesting that one of the things the Lord does and employs is sort of a sarcasm. It's not a sinful sarcasm. Some of you are out there, see, I'm just being godly because I'm so sarcastic or facetious. Uh, no, some of that's sinful sarcasm and sinful facetiousness. But, um, but God doesn't do it sinfully. He uses it as a tool because he's pointing out something that is in our thinking that is ridiculous. Uh, that's what happens uh, when the Bible uses sarcasm. It's meant to say, man, we're all kind of ridiculous in the way we think. You see, this is, this is a little hard when you say, you know, thus saith the Lord, where's the bill of your mother's divorce? Um, whom have I put away or divorced? Whom I uh, sold you to because you're in debt? He says, it's you for your own sins. You're the ones who've done it to yourselves, he's saying. Um, you've sold yourselves and for your transgressions, your mothers are put away. You see, this answers a big question. You know, you hear people all the time saying stuff like, well, if God is love, he won't send people to hell. God doesn't send people to hell. People send themselves there. Um, and and it's, it's one of those, again, you almost can hear the Lord saying, you know, who is the one who messed up your life? By the way, <clears throat> um, I have to say it, but a lot of the criminals that are being sort of exonerated as heroes, um, man, I, I just don't get how a person who is, they're trying to arrest. This, this is just me being honest as a pastor, and I hope your worldview is careful on this one, because this sort of teeters into what God is saying about us and him. <clears throat> it's almost like people are saying, how come God's gonna send people to hell? You might even see the correlation in why does that police officer shoot that person? You, you say, wait a minute, Brett, there's no correlation there. I think there is. You see, here's the thing. Um, like, you know, if, if you're a, a sexual predator and you're being arrested for that, and you are, have a knife and are believed to have a gun in your car. Um, and the police are telling you to get down on the ground and you're not doing it and you're fighting them. Now that's something, by the way, my mother and father, they taught me, Brett, I don't care if you're guilty or not guilty, you lay down, get the handcuffs on and you live to tell the tale. You might go to jail. They might even falsely accuse you, but at least you'll live to tell the tale because the, the police officer has the uh, right to, this is the way I was raised, I'm sorry, shoot you if you resist arrest. And especially if they feel that their life is threatened. So when a guy's fighting them and then running around and there's, a, there's thought to be a gun in the car and the guy's running to the car, reaching in the car, to me, man, that's not super smart. And, and, and you say, but you're being really political. No, this is just um, a worldview, A, versus a worldview, B. And, and I'm telling you something, a biblical worldview is A, not B. The biblical worldview, and in fact, by the way, that's why Romans 13 in talking about law enforcement says he has the right to wield the sword. That's the same thing as a handgun, just in old times. And he is the minister of God. 
to righteousness and not to a person who's doing unrighteous stuff. Somewhere along the way, a whole part of our community forgot that, oh, you're not supposed to do bad things. See, if you stay away from bad stuff, the police won't think you're a bad person. And if they wrongly accuse you of being a bad person, I've been wrongly accused of being a bad person by police officer before. And I've been slammed against my car before. Um, uh, and um, by police officer, I've, I've even been, uh, you know, read my rights and handcuffed because the police thought I was someone else. And they slammed me against my car and searched my car and all this stuff. And it was, it was quite an experience. But you know what I did not do? Even though I knew I was innocent and I was driving my little, you know, 1981 Volkswagen Rabbit diesel that barely broke 55, pedal to the metal. Um, and they'd stop me for going 56 in a 55, by the way, on that particular police stop. And um, so I, 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 or 56 in a 55 mile an hour zone. And so I was like, what in the world's going on here? But I did not resist. Um, I complied and I lived to tell the tale. Um, and that's, that's, that's because I was kind of trained that, you know, the police are gonna be right, even if they're wrong, they're right. And you just comply and uh, that's, that's where you have to go to the legal system. Now, where the legal system has wrongly, uh, you know, dealt in racist kinds of ways in our history. And I know, especially down in the deep South, there's some horrible, horrible things that have happened in our history. So I'm not de denying that there's, there's not issues. I'm just saying on some of these guys that are being exonerated today for some of the things they did, it's not even biblical. And here's the reason why I'm harping on this, not to be political, but to be eternal. This same notion is what God is saying right now. What, are you kidding? Why, am I, why are you uh, divorced? Why are you in trouble? Why are you going to hell? The Lord says, it's not because of me. It's because of your sin, your transgression that you're gonna be held accountable for. And, you know, we need to take extreme ownership of all things we do. And if you acknowledge, if you're a Christian, see, this is where Christianity doesn't fit with that other worldview. If you're a Christian, you have to say, if I even thought a bad thought, I deserve death and hell for all of eternity. That's the true Christian. That's what repentance means to say, I changed my mind. I do not think I deserve heaven. I deserve hell. And by God's grace, I get to heaven. It's a worldview. And if you wanna have a biblical worldview, you can, but right now, a lot of people obviously do not have that. And really, that's what this verse is saying. I, I know that some of you are gonna take issue with that, but you shouldn't. If you take an honest look at what God's saying here, there's no doubt about it. Um, behold, for your iniquities have you sold yourselves, and for your transgression is your mother put away. Well, verse two, wherefore, when I came, um, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that I cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the river, rivers a wilderness. Their fish stinketh because there is no water and dieth for thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and I make a sackcloth with their covering. Did you hear what I just read? This is one of the things the Lord says, I will clothe the heavens with blackness. Does anybody relate to that today? <laughs> Man, today I drove out my driveway um, I think it was around 10 a.m. and I was going to do some errands and, um, but my headlights were on and you, it, was, it looked like it was eight o'clock at night. 
and um, down there, you know, below Wilsonville, just below Wilsonville. I was driving around, turned up on I-5, went north for like five minutes. And all of a sudden it was a beautiful sunny day. And I thought, wow, that's a thick cl cloud covering or, you know, f smoke covering for all these forest fires. I couldn't believe how dark it's, even right now, it's, it's totally pitch black outside and we should be seeing the sunset at this time. Right now, it should be all golden, sunny out there. I've got a, um, yeah, some of the guys took some photos, uh, some video I asked them to do, and you can, you can check it out there. Um, but that's Athey Creek. Uh, I think that was around four o'clock this afternoon. And you can see that's the line where you see the crack, that's the, that's the line of smoke. So Athey Creek this afternoon was right on the edge of the smoke line. But then when you go around, you'd see how it's orange and dark it started to get. And the further south from Athey Creek you go, the darker into the dark hole you were. If you were down in, you know, Salem or Woodburn, you know, there, there was some scenes today that were apocalyptic uh, around our area. I'm, I wanted to show these vitties to just to kind of let you see what Oregonians, if you, for those of you that are out of state, it's, it's something like we've never seen before. I've lived here virtually all my life and, um, and never seen something quite like this over the whole state. Um, and it's quite a deal. But all that to say, the reason I think this is interesting, could it be that the Lord is giving us just a taste of what's coming? Some, some of you might say, this must be the apocalypse spread. I think we're in the tribulation period right now. Well, I can see why some of you'd say that with all the stuff that's going on. And by the way, I think, I think let's just agree right here. Let's stop saying, you know, um, I, I hear people talk about 2020 so much, you know, and, and they're always saying, uh, could 2020 get any weirder? Uh, let's stop saying that. I think we should just kind of let that one lie because I think it could. Uh, so let's just say, wow, 2020 has been weird. We're looking forward to a new chapter of 2020 starting next week. <laughs> um, but um, it'll be interesting if, if 2020 kind of comes to an end in November. That'll be really interesting. But now that's political. Um, but all that to say, we, we uh, get a little taste because here when the Bible says, I clothe the heavens with blackness, and I make sackcloth their covering. That's kind of what we're seeing here. Now, did you know the Bible tells us seven main times? Um, do you want me to give you the scripture references for all seven? I'm not gonna go to all of them, but get, get, if you're fast, you can um, jot these seven scriptures that have to do with, you know, in Genesis chapter one, where God said, let there be light. There's seven scriptures where God's gonna say, let there be dark. And it has to do with the last days in the tribulation. Uh, I'll, I'll give a few of them to you. Like for example, Jeremiah chapter four, uh, verse 28. Uh, in Jeremiah 4:28, let me just, I'll read that one to you. Um, it says in Jeremiah 4:28, for this shall the earth mourn and the heavens above be black because I have spoken it. I have purposed it. I will not repent. Neither will I turn back from it. Lord says, I'm gonna make the heavens black. When's that gonna happen? Well, there's some other scriptures. Let me just list them for you. Jeremiah 4, 28. Ezekiel 32, 18, number two. Number three, Joel chapter two, verse 10, uh, and 315, that's one. Joel 2, 10, and Joel 315. And then Matthew 24, 29. And if you're not jotting them down, you can turn to Matthew 24, 29. We'll look at that one. And Mark 13, 24, and Luke 21, 25. And then the seventh one is Revelation 6, 12. 
These are the seven main passages that talk about the Lord darkening the skies. But the reason I, you say, but how do you know it's not the tribulation? The sky is dark and blood red in Salem because it's the uh, uh, sort of parameters in the book of Revelation and some of these, it's global. The Lord's gonna globally do this. I don't know about you guys, but things feel weird when the sky gets messed up. Have you guys felt that? Like there's a weird eerie feeling like this morning or what, no, when it was last, last uh, yesterday afternoon when our house got suddenly covered with dark smoke and it was like nighttime uh, at, you know, three in the afternoon. And the weirdest part is the temperature dropped. It was a little bit like the eclipse. The temperature dropped and suddenly the, the crickets are chirping like it's nighttime. You know, and we're out there going, what? And my dog looked confused. And I mean, it just, it's just kind of this weird feeling and it makes you feel a little bit out of control. Like, man, we're, we don't have much control over this little world that we live on. And uh, the, things could get bad. And there's, a, there's an uneasy, uneasiness. Well, that I think is just giving us a tiny, tiny taste of what the last days are gonna be now. I believe we're not gonna be here during the tribulation period when all that comes down. Praise the Lord. This is enough for me to make me think, I'm so glad I'm saved. You see, instead of getting depressed because your house might be burning down right now, it could be. There's a lot of houses, a lot of people, a lot of Oregonians suffering. Um, maybe you could say, Lord, my house is not in, on this earth. Our, our house is in heaven. I know that might sound trite and not compassionate, but um, I saw a guy on TV last night saying, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. <laughs> and he seemed like okay with that. And I was like, yeah, you know, um, and, and I'm not even sure I'd blame the Lord for taking it away. Um, but, um, but, you know, the Lord can if he wants to. But, but to have that attitude, to hold loosely onto the things of this world, th these are the days, these are the sufferings that we go through to remind us not to hold on too tightly to this world. Set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth, the scriptures declare. And so we're being reminded of that. Well, let me, let me tell you, Matthew 24, uh, 29, look at what it says. This is Jesus talking in the Olivet Discourse. He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the son of man in the heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. That's his second coming. Remember, Christ returns at the end of the tribulation period. The rapture of the church is not a coming, it's a joining. We meet them in the air. And then we're there in the honey, honeymoon in heaven, the marriage feast of the lamb for seven years. Meanwhile on earth, tribulation. And that's where this, during the end of that tribulation, the sky is gonna be darkened. There's gonna be celestial bodies falling from the sky. Um, you know, um, it's gonna be dark and out of control, even worse than we Oregonians are feeling tonight. Um, and that's gonna be at the end of the tribulation. So there it is, Matthew 24, verses 29 through 30. Also, Revelation chapter six kind of talks about a similar thing. In Revelation six, when the tribulation's underway in Revelation 6 through 19, it's uh, Revelation 6 through uh, 19 is the tribulation, but Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, when it says he uh, opens the sixth seal, let me read this to you. And it says, I beheld and when he opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth 
of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth, even as fig casts her untimely figs when she is shaken of the mighty wind. Boy, this is imagery that we Oregonians, the winds have been howling. That's why these fires have been just raging, is the wind is just fanning those flames. And um, But we've seen the moon red, the sun darkened, like, like it's this, again, do you see why this chapter in Isaiah is kind of cracking me up that we're here tonight? Uh, and I didn't plan this, uh, but, but it says, I clothe the heavens with blackness and I make sackcloth or coverings. That's the same la- language from Isaiah 50, uh, verse three, the same language of Revelation 6, 12 through 14, talking about the tribulation. That day is coming. And we're not done with fire and smoke with uh, this book of Isaiah. So it goes on in verse four. Now, this is the, um, the I love this verse, verse four. The Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season. To him that is weary, he wakeneth morning by morning, he waketh mine ear to hear as the learned. Are you stupid? I am that, I I feel that way sometimes. I I feel stupid sometimes. Do you you feel that way? Well, the answer to being stupid is great. It seems to me that the Lord uses the foolish and uh, simple people in this world to confound the wise. I love that God does that. He uses the foolish and the weak things. Um, and, and this is what this verse is saying. The Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned. In other words, he's unlearned. Um, and that I should know how to speak a word in season at the right appropriate time um, to a person that's weary. This is what, what this person is saying. The Lord gives me a word. Now, by the way, the New Testament actually has a spirit manifest, manifesting work that the spirit wants to do to you. And you could call it a word of prophecy or a word of knowledge. And the Lord gives you that specifically for a person that to encourage, to edify, or to speak specifically into a person's life. And it, and it um, now you have to be careful with this because when, when I was a kid and the kind of the hippie movement and, and the Jesus movement, there were some people that abused this and they'd, I think they'd been smoking too much weed. So they'd walk up to you, thus saith the Lord. And they'd have those sort of beady eyes eating their Doritos and you're like, what? And they would say stuff to you that was just kind of weird. Um, no, those guys had just been smoking weed. But the thing that I love about that era is at least there were people willing to be open to the Holy Spirit speaking through them to a person with an exacting word. I feel like because of the weirdness of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit and the way some of our charismaniac Christian brothers sort of handle those things, it sort of makes everybody else say, yeah, I don't want any part of that weirdness. But we throw the baby out with the bathwater. What's the baby? You gotta keep the Holy Spirit and use whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do through you and in you, whether it's a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy, a word of tongues. These are the things the Lord uses in his church. Now there's strict rules around those things. Praise the Lord. That's why the charismaniacs uh, need to read the Bible a little more and and follow what it says about what you should do and what you should not do. Um, uh, We've done a whole series on the Holy Spirit. You can look it up uh, on our website if you're interested in these things. But one of those things is that being willing to speak, even though you don't have any formal training, you're not a psychologist or a counselor, but somebody needs a word, uh, somebody who's weary, man, there's a lot of weary people out there today because of the coronavirus, because of 
the political scene and the election upcoming. There's people upset because of the rioting and the pr protesting, the fires in the cities, the fires in the forests. Um, there's people just upset and they're weary. That's just the truth. Wouldn't it be great if Athey Creekers was just a giant church of people that were right here with verse four. The Lord hath given me, us, the Athey Creekers, the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season at the right time to him that is weary. He waketh morning by morning, he waketh mine ear to hear as the learned. That's what we need more of. Christians, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When you wake up in the morning, say, Lord, fill me with your spirit afresh that I might speak a word that's in season and anointed by your spirit to encourage people today. If you do this in your flesh, by the way, just by your strength, people will see it for what it is. It comes off a little bit, um, oh, a little bit fake. That's the problem. But when it really is truly of the Holy Spirit, it'll just resonate with not only the person who's weary, but in your own heart, you'll think, man, the Lord gave me that. And that's pretty cool. Well, it goes on in verse five, the Lord God hath opened mine ear and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters, my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Question of who is it, whom is this speaking? If you said Jesus, you either knew that and you're smart, or you or even smarter because you were here when we taught about this a couple weeks ago. <laughs> because we, we saw this is a great messianic passage. And by the way, the scripture I just shared with you in verse four could also be applied to um, uh, Jesus in the sense that he speaks the perfect word uh, and the Lord gave Jesus every word he said. And, and I know there's tricky things there what I just said about the Holy Spirit and the uh, Father and the Son and the Trinity. But um, these are all messianic passages, really, the truth, truth be told. But we can also apply some of these things to ourselves. Even what we learned a couple Sundays ago here in verses five through seven um, about our own suffering. And, and we set our face like flint to do what the Lord has called us to do. So if you missed that a couple weeks ago, pick up verses five through seven in one of our, uh, the topical teachings in Isaiah through this study. Well, verse eight, it says, he is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo, they shall all wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. So um, the, the, when it says he is near that justifieth, we've talked about our, our need for justification just as if we'd never sinned. The Lord does that. And then he says, who will contend with me? Who will, who will fight with me? Let, let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord will help me. See, this is such a great thing. Some of you guys feel like we're in a fight right now, and we are. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. And basically it says here, we get to put our trust that the Lord's gonna fight with us. And he's the one that's gonna give us strength and, and the Lord will help me in times of trouble. Um, 
You know, this reminds me of the woman who was caught in adultery there in John's gospel, chapter eight. In verses three and four in John eight, you know, there's that whole exchange where um, all those guys were there to condemn her and throw rocks at her and stone her to death because she was caught in the act of adultery. But after that, you know, Jesus said he was without sin, cast the first stone and, um, and they all kind of one by one dropped their stones and went home. So there it's just Jesus standing in the street now with this girl. And, um, and he says, where are your accusers? And she says, no one's here. And he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go your way and sin no more. That's what I think of when I think of what we're just told here, where it says, he is near that justifieth. He's the one who's gonna contend with me. We can stand together. Why was that woman safe? Because Jesus was there. Jesus was contending for her and with her. Jesus was the one who made all the bad guys go away. And God is the one who helped her through Christ. What a, what a beautiful picture that is. She, she was toast. She had no hope at all, but because he was near, she was saved. That's us. And that's what Isaiah is saying here, good stuff. Well, the last two verses uh, are basically uh, uh, number one, a, wor- um, a wooing word, a word that woos. And then uh, the second verse here, verse 11, is a warning word. So let's look at the wooing word first in verse 10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. What do you do if you're walking in darkness and you're in trouble? Trust in the name of the Lord and stay, stick with it. Stay with your God. Don't waver off of the Lord. Don't go back to your own sources of light because they're not really light. Go to the real light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord. Who is the person that walks in darkness? Let him trust in the Lord. And so the Lord's saying, he's wooing you to say, don't try to figure it out for yourself. I'll get you out of the darkness into this marvelous light. Good word for maybe some of you tonight who are walking in darkness. The Lord is wooing you. Put your trust in him and he'll help you. Stay with the Lord. Well, that's the wooing word. Now we got the warning word, verse 11. Behold, all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks, and walk in the light of your fire, and in the sparks that you have kindled, this shall ye have of mine hand, that you shall lie down in sorrow. The first person, verse 10, is the person who's wooed by the Lord to trust the Lord and let the Lord light his way. The second person is warned by the Lord, don't try to start a flickery little fire yourself and uh, follow your own sparks. Um, Why wouldn't you do that? Because you shall lie down in sorrow. King James cleans this up. The Hebrew is more pointed. Uh, the word sorrow, market, you Bible marketers or mark, marking people, or uh, those of you that are taking notes, mark that word sorrow. And um, the Hebrew word is matseba. And this word means uh, terror or torment. In other words, it says, he'll put you down in terror and torment. This is talking about hell. So if you try to make your own fire and your own compass and your own way and uh, stuff, you're gonna go to this place of terror. He's gonna make you lie down in terror and torment. Um, that's hell. 
See, there's only one way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, but by him, the Bible says, Jesus made that claim. So if you don't like one way, Brett, you're too narrow. No, Jesus is too narrow. That's what you have to say. You have to say Jesus is too narrow because Jesus made that claim, not me. And it says here that if you try to make your own light, your own sparks and fire, you might end up with a fire like we have out here in Oregon, but maybe even eternally. Uh, but if you go to the light of the Lord, you're not gonna be confounded, you're gonna be helped, you're gonna be blessed. And there are many people who are trying to spark up their own fires. Um, what does this mean? What is this talking about? Well, I think you start with the religious leaders. You know, there's a lot of religious leaders that come and say, well, there's many paths that lead to eternal life. And that's just a total lie. And they're trying to spark their own religious thing. Be careful with religious sparkers coming up with their own stuff. There's only one way through Jesus Christ and he is the light of the world. There's no fake one that's real that's gonna save. Um, so there's religious leaders, Buddha and Krishna and Muhammad and um, Joseph Smith and the Watchtower Society and others sparking, 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 trying to come up with their own thing. Gotta stick with the word of God. Gotta stick with not a strange fire. Um, this is an interesting um, reminder. Do you remember the old story of Nadab and Abihu, the two guys that were there and they lit strange fire in the tabernacle there when the children of Israel were wandering. And Nadab and Abihu, they were popular dudes. They were young, they were, you know, young sons of the priest and they were there in the temple and they were lighting up their censers with a, they were supposed to light the fire of their censers from the fire from the altar in the temple. But they got out their Bic lighters or whatever, and lit it with strange fire. And the people were like, wow, look at Nadab and Abihu. And uh, the Bible says a fire came down from heaven and consumed them both. Man, that'd be a tough way to have a church service. You're, can you imagine a church, everybody's worshiping the Lord, all of a sudden, whoa, fire burns two guys. And like, uh, what happened? Um, you know, that's the church, first church barbecue, by the way, is that right there in the Bible. Um, but that story of Nadab and Abihu is kind of a reminder, don't be lighting your own fire. Only the fire of the Lord is the one that's legit. Um, don't try to save yourself with your own fire. Go to the true light of the world. That's the two verses, A and B. Verse 10 is the wooing of the Lord, and verse 11 is the warning from the Lord or from his word. Well, that brings us to chapter 51. It says in verse 1, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, that ye seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. Um, in other words, where do you really come from? Who, who really digged you and made you? And where do you come from? And that, the answer to that is we need to think of the Lord and the way that he made us, you know. Um, um, so you, you just stick with, with the Lord, keeping thinking on him. Look to the Lord. Seek the Lord. Verse two, he says to the Jews here, he's saying, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah that bear you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places and he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. You know, um, basically look to the Lord, look from the hole where you were digged and the Lord saying, look at you Jews. 
You know, and, and um, he says, you know, I, I have, you know, what have I done for you? Well, he didn't destroy them. Even though they were wicked and evil and sinful, isn't it amazing? The Lord says, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna make you a garden and, and a joy and gladness will be found there. And you'll have thanksgiving. This is the gracious, kind, merciful Lord blessing his people. That's what God does. Wicked, evil people, he still blesses them because he's righteous. He's the one that's merciful and gracious. I love that. Well, verse four, hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me, O my nation, for a law shall be, uh, proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. So what's the law gonna be? Well, it's a law of love, and it starts verse five. My righteousness is near. What is, what is that saying? We're talking about who is the Lord's righteousness? Jesus. And he's near, he says. My salvation has gone forth, and mine arms shall judge the people and the isles. What are the isles? Right, if you said nations of the world, you're correct. Um, what are the isles that shall wait upon me and on mine arm shall they trust? What is this arm of the Lord? What does this imagery mean? Well, if you see it contextually here, the Lord's saying, listen to me and I will make a judgment and a rule. My righteousness is near. How are you and I saved? It's not your righteousness, it's his righteousness. Remember, imputed righteousness, where God's righteousness saves you as an unrighteous person. So the arm of the Lord, there's the righteous saving arm of the Lord. The salvation, uh, I think the, especially the right arm of, his, of the Lord is speaking of his salvation. We'll see that more uh, again in 53, chapter 53. So he says, um, um, the isles wait upon me and on my arm shall they trust. Verse six, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke and the earth shall wax old like a garment and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever and my righteousness shall be not abolished. There's two kinds of people, saved and unsaved. And uh, that's what's being talked about here. The earth's gonna melt away uh, boy, you know, again, it says this, this imagery is like the Lord's given us all kinds of object lessons tonight with all the smoke we Oregonians are dealing with tonight. You know, he says, man, um, the earth, heavens and the earth shall vanish away like smoke. We hope this smoke vanishes away. Um, but it says the earth is waxing old like a garment. In Hebrews chapter one, it says the Lord's gonna take this earth and fold it up like an old garment and put it away. Um, that's the future of this earth. That's what the Bible says. I don't care if you're an environmentalist and you're saying, I'm trying to save the earth. Lord's not, he's gonna put it away. He built it, he made it, and he made it beautiful and we're to be good stewards of it while we have it, of course. But the future says he's gonna fold it up like an old pair of Levi's. It's all ripped up and time, time to be put away. Um, and then he's gonna make a new heaven and a new earth. Well, verse seven, Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be afraid of their revelings. For the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. 
There's a lot of people who are coming against you today, if you're a Christian, telling you what you can or can't do, what you should say, what you shouldn't say. They're trying to cancel culture, including Christianity. They're attempting to intimidate you to not say things. And they're even trying to intimidate you to think a certain way. And if you think differently, then you're gonna be in big trouble. This scripture here is reminding us, it says, man, that's just gonna happen. Don't be shocked when that happens to you. But he says, fear not the reproach of men, neither be afraid of their revelings. Um, it reminds me of Acts chapter 29, when Peter and the guy said, we ought to obey God rather than men. They said, don't preach the name of Jesus in town anymore. And they said, we're gonna continue to preach because we ought to obey God rather than men. They weren't afraid of men's laws and rules that went up in opposition to the scripture. So then in verse nine, we've got these awake, awake statements uh, starting up in chapter 51, verse nine. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days and the generations of old. Art thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? What's Rahab and the wounding of a dragon? The answer, don't know for sure. It wasn't Rahab the woman uh, in Jericho? She was a woman in Jericho named Rahab. That's not who we're talking about here. Um, there's various uh, beliefs and scholars disagree, but there's all kinds of ideas. Rahab the dragon is maybe there's a, there's kind of a, um, um, a story that we don't know about the children of Israel. Uh, the dragon always tends to be more of an evil entity or even Satan himself. Um, and Rahab also is another name for Egypt. Did you know that? Uh, it's funny that the woman, Rahab, she was from Egypt, living in Jericho when they found her. Um, but Rahab is also another name for Egypt, which is the world. So you could say the world and Satan. Some people see that correlation here. But basically, whatever it means, and you can, I'll leave that to you to dig and find that. There's all kinds of interesting theories about who Rahab and the dragon and what's this wounding of this dragon? What is all this about? The point is this, it's evil. And it says, the, the person is crying out, Lord, awake, awake. Um, it's like a way of saying, listen, Lord, we need help. And uh, like they tried to wake up Jesus in the storm. Awake, Jesus, don't you know we're about to perish? That whole thing. It's like the people of Israel are saying, awake, awake, oh Lord, and put your arm of your strength upon us like they did, you did in the generations of old, back in the wilderness wanderings when you rose up in protection for your people. And that's what they're crying out here. And they go on, verse 10. Art thou not it which hath dried the sea? That'd be the Red Sea, remember that? Um, and the waters of the great deep that hath made the depths of the sea a way for the ransomed to pass over. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. There's an old song we used to sing. Um, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. This is a great uh, song. The reason it's sung by people today even is because it's great joy. When the Lord shows up and delivers us from all our trouble, we return to Zion, Jerusalem, like the Jews would, uh, singing with rejoicing. And not just a temporary joy, but an everlasting joy 
That's gonna be upon their heads. That's gonna happen to the Jews ultimately. And it's gonna happen to us as well. Are you depressed right now because of what's going on around us? Is your house under threat and you're thinking, man, my joy is gone and we're gonna lose everything. Be in prayer, put your trust in the Lord. And remember your everlasting joy is gonna be on your head because the Lord, the redeemed of the Lord shall return with singing. The Lord's gonna do that. May not be tonight, but the Lord's gonna bless your socks off more than you'll ever know. I love that verse, mark it well. Everybody should know Isaiah 51, 11. Verse 12, I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who, who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die and of a son of man which shall be made as grass? Why should we be afraid of other people? They're gonna die too. They're gonna be mowed down like grass, just like everybody else. So don't be afraid of them. That's what the Lord is saying here. And it says, um, and, and yet you forget us, the Lord, thy maker, that hath stretched forth the heavens, laid the foundations of the earth, and hath feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed, and that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. But I am the Lord thy God that divideth the sea, whose waves roared, the Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in thy mouth and I will have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand. And that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, thou art my people. So this is the Lord saying, hang in there, I got you. And put your trust in him. Great scriptures to meditate on here. Verse 17, awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, which hath drunk the, at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury. Thou hast drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling and wrung them out. There is none to guide her among all the sons whom she hath brought forth. Neither is there any that taketh her by the hand all the sons that she hath brought up. These two things are coming unto thee. Who shall be sorry for thee? desolation and destruction and famine and sword, by whom shall I comfort thee? Thy sons have fainted at the lie of thy head of all thy streets as the wild bull in a net. They are full of fury of the Lord, the rebuke of thy God. Therefore hear now this, thou afflicted and drunken, but not with wine. Thus saith the Lord, um, the Lord thy, and thy God that pleadeth the cause of his people, behold, I have taken out of thy hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury, that thou shalt no more drink it again. But I will put it in the hand of them that afflict thee, which have said to thy soul, bow down, that we may go down uh, over. And thou laid your body as to the ground, as the street to them that went over. Here, the Lord is saying, Jews, you're gonna go through hard times. And there are nations that trounced over you, like the Babylonians, like the... Um, Syrians and uh, many other nations that trounced over the Jews and walked over their bodies. That's the idea, but the Lord says, don't worry. They're the ones who are gonna get that and you're gonna be the ones ultimately saved. So if you're going through suffering and even ill treatment by other people, don't be afraid. The Lord is gonna work it all out and he will take care of you. Um, and, he'll, and ultimately in heaven, he's gonna take away all your pain and all your suffering. 
Uh, really quick, just a few more verses uh, to get caught up here tonight. Chapter 52, awake, awake, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, thy holy, the holy city, for henceforth there shall, be no, there shall no more come into the uncircumcised and the unclean. What period must we be talking about? When Jerusalem's not gonna have you know, uncircumcised. Now you say, Brett, does that mean only Jews are gonna be in the millennial kingdom? Well, circumcision is more talking about the Jews, of course, but at the same time, um, in the New Testament church, the Bible says the circumcision is sort of pictured by baptism. And I believe we also are included in the millennial kingdom, of course, in the, in the temple or in the Jerusalem. Shake thyself, verse two, from their dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing and you shall be redeemed without money. How were the Jews redeemed? Did the Lord redeem them with silver or gold? No. What was it that the Lord traded for redemption? Uh, the answer is his blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And that's something you should understand, and I hope you under know that. You say, well, Brett, that's the Jewish law. Yep, but it's for all of humanity, not only the Jews, but us. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Innocent blood shed for us. What about Adam and Eve? Same, Jesus died on the cross. But there's even a picture in Adam and Eve. Remember when they sinned, they realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together. And those fig leaves were very uncomfortable, scratchy, probably poison oak or something. And they were wearing these goofy garments. But do you know the kindness of the Lord? What did he do? He covered their sin, their shame, their nakedness. And he made for them, the Bible said he took skins, the first time in the Bible you see of something dying. Some animal gave its life. God sacrificed some animal. Was it a sheep, a goat? Was it a bull? Maybe they had some big leather pants on or something. I don't know, but I think it was probably a sheep. If I had to guess, I'll bet they were wearing lamb skins um, that God had made them. And some innocent lamb had to die because of Adam and Eve's sin and his blood was shed and then they were, they were covered. Great imagery in, from throughout the whole Bible on this idea of the remission of sins and the shedding of blood. Verse four, <clears throat> four of chapter 52. For thus saith the Lord God, my people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now, therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for nothing? They that rule over um, them, make them to howl. Over them to make them howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know that in the day, in that day, pardon me, that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is that I. The Lord, they're gonna know. They're gonna know when the Lord comes. Now here's a verse that maybe some of you know, and it's also a song we used to sing, but it's beautiful as well. Verse seven, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him that brings good, good tidings, that publisheth peace, that brings good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigns. How lovely are the feet. Feet are not very lovely, generally speaking. But if you're dying and you see the messenger coming with the message, hey, you're gonna be saved. You're saying, oh, I love your feet. 
<laughs> uh, by the way, isn't it interesting that the armor of God in Ephesians talks about the implements, but what are you shod with, with shoes? The shoes of the gospel of peace, um, that, the preparation of peace. Uh, that's, that's the gospel where people have peace. That's what's being talked about here. How beautiful are the mountains on the, the feet of him that brings the good news. That's the gospel. And uh, man, I love this. Ephesians six fifteen, also Isaiah 59, all talk about this, the peace that comes from the feet of them that bring good news. Verse eight, thy watchmen shall lift up the, the voice with the voice together they should sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people, he hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart ye, depart ye, go out from thence, touch no unclean thing, go out ye in the midst of her, be ye clean, that bear the vessels of the Lord, for ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the Lord of Israel will be your reward. This is getting ready, the people of Israel getting ready for the Messiah, that they shouldn't be messing around and being defiled by sinful things, and they should be in the temple, worshiping the Lord, and then what happens? Well, that's what we looked at on Sunday. We looked at verse 13 of chapter 52, all the way through chapter 53, this beautiful song of the suffering savior. Remember verse 13, behold my servant. That's looking at Jesus, the suffering servant of God. And we looked at verses 13, all the way through 53, 12. And so next week, Lord willing, we'll pick up in chapter 54, verse one. So there you have it. Now we're cruising. Now we're making some ground uh, as we're getting through the Bible. Uh, the book of Isaiah, coming to a close here pretty soon. Uh, powerful stuff. Um, let the smoke and the fires and the troubles and the struggles that we're going through right now make you better. My pastor used to say, Brett, you know, he'd teach us, uh, you know, troubles and challenges either make you bitter or better. And there's people who are, why God? Why would you burn down my house? Or why would fires go through Oregon? Or why do we have this or that? Or these politics or the other? And everybody gets all up in a dizzy, but that's not making you a better person. Um, say, Lord, what is this all about? What are you wanting to show me? Um, what are you wanting to reveal to me? You know, uh, Paul says, our light affliction, it's just for a moment, but it worketh a far more exceeding weight in glory. There's something about what we go through, whether it's kidney stones or gout or cancer or a cold or, um, you know, ALS, which is brutal, um, you know, or fires burning up your house. Man, we need to all just say, Lord, show me what you wanted me to know. Make me not a citizen of this world, but that my home is in heaven. And may that be your focus. I think the time is short. I think we are seeing local things here, but we're also seeing global things that are signs of the times that we might just be living in those last days. Sure feels like it. But if not, we just keep plugging away, pointing to Jesus, trusting in him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. And Lord, we pray tonight that you'd give us strength in these difficult days. Bless, Lord, all those people in Oregon and all over California and other places where there's fires. Lord, we see other uh, states go through hurricanes and tornadoes and 
earthquakes and all kinds of challenges. Um, Lord, rarely in Oregon do we see such up-close trials. Um, but I pray that instead of making people bitter, that it would make us better, where we turn to a God who's able and faithful to keep us from falling. So may this not just test our faith, but I pray that we would come out with just beautiful flying colors, putting our trust in you, in Jesus' name, amen.